0: Welcome to the next podcast of Millinery Info. This episode is with Rebecca Cher. Rebecca won the 2018 Maya Fashions on the Field Millinery Award, which is hosted on Oaks Day during the Melbourne Cup Carnival at Flemington Racecourse. We'd like to thank our Patreon podcast supporters, Ms. Hady Millinery, the Millinery Association of Australia, Catherine Cherry Millinery, the Hat Academy, the Essential Hat, and Louise MacDonald Milliner. Follow the link on our website to find out how you can become a sponsor of this podcast. We hope you enjoy our discussion with Rebecca. Thank you for joining me today, Rebecca, to talk hats. It's so lovely to have you part of our Millinery Info podcast series. Um, oh, and I thanks. thought, well, let's start with how did you first get involved with hat making? Ah. <sighs>
1: It was actually Kim Fletcher that um, inspired me to get into millinery. I used to make, I was studying fashion at RMIT in Melbourne and used to always make outfits to go to the races and I went and saw Kim Fletcher to have a hat made and um, I just so fell in love with hats and what she was doing. She was such an inspiration. And Kim actually mentioned to me that there was a course that had started up that year. Um, the at the Melbourne School of Millinery, which of course was Volchard Reiner that started it, and um, and Kim actually encouraged me and said, you know, if you're not enjoying fashion, you really should look into doing the course. And so I did that, and that was gosh, back in oh, I reckon it was like 1997, I did that, and so I studied for a year, and um, it's the best year of my life. Like I could just absolutely loved it. It's an incredible teacher, and just learnt so much from her. So that's how the journey. Started twenty three years ago.
0: Yeah. Wow! And um, what was was that like an evening course or how did that course work at the time?
1: Yeah, it was from memory. I think it was two days a week actually, um, and it was in North Melbourne. And I actually worked full time um, at Cotton On Clothing in Melbourne Central, and studied the two days a week. So yeah, no no days off for me.
0: From that course, what did what were you learning in that course? What skills yeah. were you picking up?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was the basics, the techniques, the, the stitches, uh, how to block, felt and straw, and um, cinnamon was just coming in then as a new material and um, wasn't as good a quality as it is now, but it was quite expensive too back then. That's now, I don't know various trims, voltage, um, really different with her teaching. Um, she has great techniques and. Yeah, I don't know, not the traditional sort of silk flower making and, and um, those techniques that I guess I went on to learn from Georgina Conheady and, you know, from doing classes over the years. But, yeah, it was just the basics, really, of, of how to actually make a hat traditionally.
0: And from there, what did you do with your millinery once you finished the course? Look, I, I think
1: I'll say that it was really difficult back then because there were no other courses to really to, to learn contacting a couple of milliners, saying can I come and do some work experience with you but sort of um the doors were, certainly weren't open to, to me coming and uh learning anything from them and um, so that was difficult um, and it was in a world where there was no websites there was no um, internet there was no social media so getting your brand out there and trying to get some exposure was really difficult um, I was living in Bendigo at the time in the country and we used to make hats and outfits to wear to the races in Melbourne and I actually won on Derby Day in 1999. And I met Lillian Frank, who was a Melbourne socialite, and um, she loved my hat. And my uncle actually said to me, you know, what are you doing? You need to get some exposure in Melbourne and, um, you know, you should just call Lillian. So out of the blue, I phoned her hair salon in Iraq and and she, she said, this is the days of the fax machines, fax me some photos of your hats. And I did and then she um, invited me to come down and show her um, some of my headpieces and hats and she loved them and I started designing for her and she was handing out my card to all her Turek friends and I was driving around in my little Hyundai XL and rocking up at these big mansions and doing alterations and making Headwear for um, all these well to do Tuarak ladies, and then I started making hats for Anne Peacock, for marquees, and it all just kind of started to work from there. And um, so that's how I sort of started out, and then that fed into me designing for John Cavill, who's a fashion designer in in Tuarak. I think one thing led to another. I would say, though, back then I always worked full time, and millinery was a hobby because we didn't have the luxury as I touched on with social media and, and websites. And I remember I was the first milliner in Australia to have a website and I won't name who it was, but a milliner said to me, Oh, why would you do that? You know, you're going to open yourself up to copying. And, um, and I sort of got really frightened about it and thought, yeah, you're right, you know, but I actually went ahead and I did it. And it was a terrible, terrible website. You know, <laughs> we, we can't survive without it now. And um, yeah, so look, it's been uh, the journey of, So different for me because I've been doing it for so long and I stumbled along the way and I've had to teach myself different techniques and because I just those opportunities were not available to learn and I think for that exact reason is why now I teach because if the industry isn't growing it's dying you you need to um, share with. With other milliners, and I you know I got so many queries about how do you make that how did, I don't you know I don't know how you've made that st- hat stand up how is that sitting like that and and I sort of saw I guess a market there passing on the skills and techniques that I've honed along the way and um it's one of my things I said to myself when I first started out if I get to a stage where I have my own techniques I'm going to give back to to the industry and help it grow and not keep those trade secrets to myself because I just yeah it's was one of my big frustrations when I started
0: out. When did you start teaching and what was that experience first like having decided that when you were a student yourself what was um, how did you decide this is the time that I want to share this technique that I've got?
1: I probably started teaching my first little class maybe oh could have been about eight or nine years ago now and I think not a mistake it was a learning um, experience for me but I started to teach I guess what were the traditional techniques you know French flower making in Geelong where I live now because no one had that down here or um, just some basic head pieces so it was very you know nothing highly skilled about the, the classes that I was teaching and it was more just a um you know sort of almost like a mother's group thing where some ladies came and we just sewed for a few hours and I didn't charge them very much and it was just a fun thing to do but I soon realized when I was trying to advertise and teach the same thing that other milliners were teaching but just the traditional techniques it's not necessarily that that was um a technique owned by them like you know when you've got Serena Lindeman that makes the most amazing flowers that are so unique to her and she shares those skills. So you you have to be very careful not to teach what other milliners have come up with in their own techniques. So I'm very protective of my work in that regard as well. Like I would never do that to them. And Louise has incredible skills with her cinema and um, her Dior brims that she's been teaching. And so when I initially started I was teaching just the very traditional techniques but then I soon realized that actually people kind of didn't want that and along the way as I honed my skills and came up with different techniques I realized and I had so many inquiries coming in how did you do that I want to learn that are you going to teach that and so then I specifically just started teaching my own techniques and that has really worked for me so initially it was just little little classes that I was teaching just for a bit of fun and then um I've got a lot more serious about teaching probably five years ago when I started teaching at um, TAFE and the Melbourne School of Fashion and going into state and the Millinery Forums and um, Wagga Wagga and and then now Hat Academy online and it's gotten bigger cool. than Ben Hur now so it's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> With Hat Academy, what classes do you have up there on that the website? Because they want about um, sponsored. Patreon supporters of
1: the podcast, so we love sharing uh, what they've got going on. Elaine and Graham are amazing. Um, they're so supportive of, of my hats, and it's been great to work with them. Um, so, oh, i film filmed twice with them now, and when I film, I usually do probably three or four different techniques or different hats. So, oh gosh, I think I've, I've got Percher hats, which was one of the originals that I, the two ring um, hats. Crinoline swirls and crinoline
0: headpieces and floral
1: crowns and the blocked crown headpieces.
0: And yeah. with the block crowns, you designed some blocks in, with Hat Blocks Australia. So how did that first start out? Because you make some beautiful blocks in collaboration yeah. with Daryl.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, Daryl. Um, Daryl said to me years ago. To stay ahead of the game, you need to be doing what other milliners are not doing it, which I knew. And he said in doing that, you've got to come up with your own creations and then they're unique to you. And so then I started to do that. And it actually turned out that he was receiving so many inquiries about the shapes that I had designed for myself. And he approached me and it probably was a year-long conversation where he sort of said, you know I would love to release these blocks because so many people are wanting me and I want them myself and in the end we uh, spoke about it and he kind of dangled it we can call them after you <laughs> and I was like oh done. <laughs> no so he said we'll call them Re- the Rebecca share series of Hat blocks and, and I just sort of thought yeah okay but so initially, I would uh, design for spring carnival, I would use the hat blocks and have exclusive rights to them and then we'd release them the next year, but now it's kind of the transition's completely changed where I'll design and I've just designed a new collection of headband, uh, chunky sort of headband blocks that will be coming out soon. So I don't specifically keep them for me right now, we just release them straight away and I receive prototype blocks and um, Make samples of them if there's any alterations to be made, so we know that they will work. So yeah, that just came about um, five years ago now that we did that, and um, yeah, I love it. I love designing the blocks. You know, I design them in different ways, where I'll cut the cardboard or pieces of paper, or I'll look for you know odd shaped bowls in op shops. Being he's a joy to work with. Daryl is amazing. We have such a great um, working relationship. Of course, I then tie in the hat blocks with what I record for um, Had Academy. And, you know, it's such a lovely um, working relationship that we have going on because it, it works so well for those that buy the courses on Hat Academy because if they want those specific blocks, they can buy them from Daryl. If they buy the blocks and they don't know how to use them, they can do the Hat Academy courses. So it all just ties in so well. Um, so yeah, it's just um, been a really good collaboration.
0: Last year you had, you made an incredible piece that won the Kennedy Oaks Day My Fashions on the Field Millinery Award. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit about that piece. How did it come about and what was, was there a particular inspiration for how it progressed?
1: Well, uh, I had a couple of years off actually. I took two, took two years off and um, I just thought, oh, I'll give it one another crack. <laughs> have another at it and I just sort of thought come on you know but I I I was crapping myself like I, I get scared like anybody else I'm frightened to put my work out there I'm I don't want to be embarrassed I don't um, want people to laugh at my designs and think oh god she's lost it she's got no idea what she's doing anymore like it's it's a daunting process and I'm sure it's the same for anybody else you know you're a designer and you're putting your heart and soul into something and it's being presented on stage and You know, I just um, thought, come on, I just want to give this one last crack and see if I, you know, I've had this time off. Do I still have it or do I not have it? And should I just bloody pack up now and just, uh, done. (laughs) So it was really just one last hurrah, one last hat that I thought, come on, I'll just just give this a go. And... The first year I ever entered the millinery award, I was thinking from the perspective of what are the judges looking for? What do they want? I need something so crazy and over the top that they're gonna it's gonna stand out on stage. And my whole thought process was around geared around what do they are they looking for? And I did so terribly. Like I don't didn't even make the top thirty, and I was so disappointed because I I, you know I spent so much time and money doing entering. And um, the next year I thought, stop it. I'm just gonna make what I wanna make. I'm not even thinking from the perspective of what they're looking for and I'm not spending any money on an outfit. I put it I found the model in Dan Murphy's by the way. I was buying a bottle of wine in Geelong West and, and I thought, I need a model and I thought, Oh, she's pretty she's pretty attractive. She she's tall and I was kind of checking her out and she turned her around <laughs> I was just being like But oh. I thought, Oh, she's gorgeous and I said, Have you ever been to the race? She's like, Oh dear, no, I did, do I have it? well, I'm a milliner and I, you know, I'm looking for a model. Would you be interested? So she agreed to it. And three months later, class four or three months later, I was like, I am not spending any money on this. And so I wore, she wore my dress, my shoes, my handbag, made the hat, went to the races, were on the train. I, I met her again for the first time that morning, getting hair and makeup done. Off we go on the train to Melbourne. And I'm saying to her, yeah, I did terrible last year. I didn't even make the top 30. I said, we'll be back on the train at 3.30. And then that was 2011. And that was the year that I won
0: and so that was
1: my lesson to myself and so there we are at like six o'clock at night rocking it out in the Miami marquee and being interviewed on Tally. and I was like oh god so that talk to not think at all other people are wanting or thinking because and to be absolutely true to your own style and I've thought that along the way every time I've designed uh, I've kept it very simple minimalistic plain dress the hat does the talking I do see a lot of milliners that make amazing hats but then they've got these these amazing outfits with it and they're clashing and it's crazy and there's all florals everywhere and just let the hat do the talking that's my little tip for the millinery award so the hat that I did last year I had time off and I just thought you know I'm just going to try and create something um, that I'm really really proud of that is different to what anyone else has made and I had been sketching this particular design and had an idea of how it was going to work and um, it, it actually turned out a little bit different around the back with the, the dress. It was kind of an accidental design thing that, that occurred but um, it worked and um, I was really just playing with wire and just came up with a different technique. I, I, we all work off the same materials. It's looking for something that other milliners are not working with and, or, or even basic crinoline, for example, which I've used in the past a lot of everyone's got crinoline but what are you doing with it that makes it look completely different and amazing at the same time and I just wanted to something that appeared to be floating off the head just kept it really plain and just let the actual silhouette of the piece do the talking rather than too much color and too many materials it was just that's my style though I guess very contemporary very minimalistic with a bit of drama going on so
0: And how was the the experience of winning in 2018 versus when you won the first time in 2011?
1: Oh, I mean, both just incredible, amazing, like just blown away, couldn't believe it. I think 2011 was more about feeling, um, validating my own career and my own talents and believing in myself that actually I do have a talent and not putting every other milliner on a pedestal and I'm always below it was like, well, actually no, I I have got a skill and I can do this and um stop you know, start believing in yourself more than you have been. So that was what that was about and it was just a wonderful feeling. Um but last year really just just for myself. It wasn't for anyone else and it wasn't about particularly winning, but it was also about just making a design that I was really proud of and um, it was a wonderful feeling as soon as I walked into the race course with my model Danielle and you, you kind of just get this gut feeling. Like, I oh, oh, was at the hair salon, I'm going, oh, holy shit, is this a little bit too weird? Like, is this a bit over the top? Are people going to be like, what is that thing on her dress? So, you, you know, you have your doubts, but then I was like, actually, it kind of looks pretty good, actually. I'm pretty happy with it. And I thought, well, I'm happy with it and that's all that matters. But as soon as you arrive at the race course and then all these people just start taking photos and you kind of like it pretty really responding well to this um, gee I've got this in the bag at all but I was really just proud for myself of what I'd created.
0: You've just <laughs> created some fantastic um you were speaking about your crinoline work some fantastic pieces for the JLo tour um and you went over to the U.S. to see it how did that amazing project come about?
1: Yeah well um it was probably about eight weeks now i received an email uh, just an inquiry through my website and um it was from a lady in the u.s kelly and she just explained that um she just said oh can you i'd like to order eight sparkly visor headpieces for the upcoming jlo It's my party tour in the u.s um can can you make them um it was really quite short and i and i I was with a girlfriend at the time, and I said, "Yeah, someone's pulling my leg here. This is <laughs> this is crap." <laughs> and um, and I and I she goes, "Are you going to reply?" And I said, "No, I'm not even replying." I said, "No, no, I'm just not. Like I just pulling my leg, like as if." And she said, "Come on, give me the number. I'll call her." And I so anyway, I said, "All right, I'll humour her." I'll, no. So I did. I replied, and I just sort of I was quite, you know. Blunt in a way, hi, um, thanks so much. Yes, I can make them. Can you please let me know, you know, what company you work or, um contacting you from? And then the email came back within half an hour. My name's Kelly Johnson, I'm uh, j personal stylist. I work with Rob Zangardi and um, who is her other stylist. And um, we have, we love these. They've made in um, like a silver lurex. Within a day, I'd organized a sample uh, with material samples of crinoline, six different, um, crinoline samples and sent it over to the U.S. They received it within four days and straight away I got an email, yes, we want um, we want 13 of them. And then, oh, this, is, this is how things go wrong. I had sent these six samples of crinoline and one of them was the silver lurex that they ended up wanting and using. Kim from House of the Dawn had uh, sent it to me about three years ago saying, just this tiny little square, do you like this? Can we stock it for you? And I uh, I don't even know if I responded or I might have just said, no, I don't think it will. So she never ordered it into her shop, but I had the sample piece sitting there. And so I like sent it over and they're like, yep, that's the one we want. Of course it's the one they wanted. <laughs> so I was freaking out. And I'm ringing Kim going, have you got this? Dog? And she said, no, we never got it because you said you didn't want it. And I'm like, oh, my oh. God. <laughs> So I'm Googling, I said, can you please get it? How are we going to get it? And I said, look, I'm not supposed to tell anyone, but I'm, this is for the JLo tour, like it. And she said, look, leave it with me. That was on the Friday, that afternoon. She's like, yep, I've got it. The only 32 metres in China and I'm um, having it freighted over. And so she received it on the Monday and then I got it on the Tuesday and just oh started sewing a little yeah, but I also sourced it, it was at Petersham's in London, and they had 32 metres, and that was it Day. So I had two lots, thank goodness, and because the order increased from 13 to 28. Mm. And oh my um, gosh I actually went to um Cairns probably a month ago to a Tony Robbins seminar. Tony Robbins is motivational, you know, he's amazing. And I'd had it booked since August last year and I flew to Brisbane on the Saturday and two days before I flew there to teach, I they said, oh, we want another eight. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to Tony Robbins. I'm teaching in Brisbane on the way up a full day to, for 18 students. And when I got up to, um, to Cairns, the seminar goes for 15 hours every day, six days in a row. I'm not kidding. You start at 10 a.m. and you finish at 2 in the morning. You hardly get any sleep. And I had to sit in the seminar. I set up a studio on the back row. I had to sew eight <laughs> sparkly Lyrex visors. And then on the Wednesday, the middle of the week, they said, actually, we don't want eight. You want another, we want 13 in total. <laughs> oh, 14 or something. So I had to just, smash it out that week so I mean this is the incredible thank god I thank god I got it. and thank god I took it with me to um to cans and had enough of it but you know you just have to make it work like, and you got two and yeah, you went over yeah um
0: sage as well
1: a last-minute decision. So I went a couple of weeks ago. It was it was on a Wednesday morning that I just thought, you know what, damn it, I want to go. So I went with a friend of mine and um, we booked it on the Wednesday and we flew out the Friday night. And we were in base for about 45 hours total and um, it was unbelievable. So we went to the J-Lo concert and, um, in Vegas and it was phenomenal. So we had really great Seats right near the stage, and the opening act, the song Medicine, is when my headpieces come on stage on all the dances. And it was just the best feeling. Like, I'm just still pinching myself, thinking, How, how has this even come about? It clearly wasn't a pranking male, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was just incredible. And then after the show, I um, I got to meet J-Lo and um, said, Oh, hi, I'm Rebecca from Australia. And um, I said, I actually made the silver headpieces. Uh, that you have at the start of your show. And she said, oh, I love those. Um, but, yeah, like you don't get much time with her. So it's like, quick photo and see you later. So, yeah, <laughs> but it was just amazing. it just capped it all. Um, yeah, it was just just a really nice, nice story. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yeah.
0: And um, so what's, what's next on your hat-making plans?
1: Oh, well, um, currently, the projects, really. I'm on the couch watching and uh, sewing headpieces for Maya. I'm, I did a little presented a collection to Maya um, earlier this year, and um, so I'll be stopped in the store. So I've got a photo shoot um, coming up in August. Yeah, so I have, to, I have to actually do a collection and then do the photo shoot. Might be doing some filming later in the year for Hat Academy will be releasing the hat blocks soon with Daryl. Oh, teaching in Melbourne next. Oh, in two weeks actually for um, Hat Week Australia. I'll be going to Sydney in August to teach a weekend workshop up there. So yeah, just so much um, going on.
0: And what's your um, what's your studio space like? What's it, what's your setup like for your creative space?
1: So beautiful. So I moved. To, I bought a new house in February this year and. I have this amazing studio. It's so beautiful. It's so much natural light coming in. Um, so, I mean, I've got huge and this huge big long table in the middle of the room with double doors that go out to a balcony that look over to Buckley Falls and the river in, in Geelong. And so it's so beautiful. Yeah, I think important for me to have so much natural light and, um, and you know, you need to obviously see what you're doing in colours and materials and sewing. And, I'm, and I love working in the daytime. So, yeah, my studio's just yeah, I'm so fortunate. I absolutely love it. Never have enough space though. That's a thing. Oh, there it, it is—a big room. I'm like, that's because I keep buying so many materials. It's an obsession, isn't it? It's like I've got to have that, and I better buy it's, more in case they don't have well, it anymore. What if I
0: can't find them again? It's I think, yeah, I, do, I know. An occupational hazard.
1: Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, I know. But like all my profits are sitting in that damn room. <laughs>
0: And how has your um, approach to um, designing a hat changed as you progressed through your career?
1: Well, do you, sketch?
0: you were a sketcher or you um, Yeah, you yeah, work? I am. So, yeah, I sketch.
1: I mean, I'm not very good at it. I'm certainly no Ian Bennett. He is an absolute master at drawing. Oh, my gosh. I sketch it first and it is seriously just an absolute scribble but I could, it's the funny thing is I could pick that up in 10 years time and I could know exactly what that big fat line is what material that would be. Only I would know that but it's just you just know your own stuff and sometimes I'll do little notations about what it is. So yeah I'll start with a sketch and then get out materials and see what will work and what colours and um, are we going down the vintage path with a lot of store cloth? or Are we going with more contemporary new materials that haven't been used before? And so I, ha- I just think it's that thinking thing in your head that's just the wheels constantly turning and you don't ever switch off from it. I could just be making breakfast to my children or in the car on the way to work or... I don't know, going for a walk on the beach, but you're constantly thinking, okay, what would work? And oh, I could do it in bell. It never switches off. So um, the process is really just sketching and having a look at the trends and what is out there that, yes, that's the headband trend this season, but how can I do it different that my stuff will stand out from someone else's? Thank you okay.
0: so much for talking to me cool. today, Rebecca. It's fantastic to have you part of the Info podcast series. Oh,
1: thanks, Lauren. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Millinery Info. We'd like to thank our Patreon podcast supporters, Ms. Heidi Millinery, The Millinery Association of Australia, Catherine Cherry Millinery, Hat Academy, The Essential Hat, and Louise McDonald Milliner. You and your business can become a Patreon supporter of the Millinery Info podcast. There are two levels to choose from, a supporter level or podcast sponsor. The supporter level gives you access to exclusive content on our website. Our podcast sponsor is from $15 a month, and with that you receive a thank you in our monthly podcast, linked to your website in each podcast article, and in our newsletter. You can choose to support us ongoing or for a set period of time. It is a great way to have your business, supplies, or event heard in the ears of milliners across the globe. You can keep up to date with the latest podcasts, or look back through the past episodes on our website, or follow along in your favorite podcast app. If you know someone who might be interested in taking a listen, how about sending them a link to your favourite episode? We hope you enjoyed our discussion with Rebecca and we look forward to bringing you another podcast next month. Happy heading.